theyeshiva.net. Eichel Menachem presents A Tale of Two Souls, an ongoing lecture series on the Tanya by Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Jacobson. This is the 11th tape in the series entitled The Ten Building Blocks of Creation, recorded live at Hechel Menachem, Brooklyn, New York. Good morning. We are holding <clears throat> in the beginning of Perigimel of Tanya, the third chapter. In the previous uh, chapter, the Alter Rebbe explained the essence of the second soul that exists within every single Jew, defined as the Nefesh HaLekiz, the divine soul, as being a Chelek HaLekami Ma'amamish, truly a part of Hashem above. The Alter Rebbe went on to describe the meaning of this, the significance of this, <coughs> and how this exists within every single Jew albeit the varied the levels and ranks that exist within the souls themselves. In this period, in Peri Gimbal, the Alter Rebbe proceeds to discuss the, the persona and the character of this soul, the faculties it possesses, the attributes it contains, the modes through which it expresses itself. Let's see inside. Each of these three distinctions and grades, nefesh, ruach, and neshama, consists of ten faculties. As mentioned already in the middle of Perik Beis, we speak about every Jew possessing a neshama, a divine soul. <clears throat> More specifically, it can be subdivided into three ranks and grades. One level defined as nefesh, ruach, and neshama. So when we speak in general terms, you say every year there's two nefeshes. One is a divine soul, and one is a natural, vital soul. A nefesh abaham is chiyunis. But each one of them is generally, subdivided, more specifically, subdivided into three aspects. Called nefesh, ruach, and neshama. Briefly, I, we spoke of this more at length in the middle of Perik Bey's nefesh is the functional aspect of the soul. Ruach is the emotional, passionate dimension of the soul. <clears throat> and Hashem is the intellectual, cognitive experience of the soul. So the Alter Rebbe is saying over here that every one of these three levels of the divine soul, Nefesh, Ruach, and Hashem, consists of ten faculties. These are ten characteristical traits and attributes that every single soul possesses. And this actually makes up and creates the persona, the personality and the character of the soul. And he continues, These ten faculties of the soul correspond to the ten supernal spheres. The ten supernal spheres, divine manifestations, because these ten faculties in the human soul evolved from the ten supernal characteristics and faculties, the ten spheres as they are called here. This is specifically ten faculties corresponding and evolving from the ten divine Faculties from the ten divine spheres. More generally, he continues, The ten spheres are, sub, are divided into two general categories. Shehein, these two categories are defined in the literature of Kabbalah as being Shalash Imais Veshevak Fulais, three mothers and seven doubles. I will explain the meaning in this phrase in a moment. So we have ten spheres divided into two categories. Three mothers and seven doubles. And he goes on to enumerate, one moment, Pirush. This means Chachma Bina Das 
Namely, we have the first three supernal spheres are Chachma, Bina, and Das, conception, comprehension, and application. And the seven days of creation, Chesed, attraction, Gvura, rejection, Tiferes, integration, Chulu, etc. The other four spheres that follow these first three of Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes. So over here we have in the ten supernal spheres a division of the first three mothers intellectual faculties, conception, comprehension, and application, followed by another seven faculties that he terms the seven days of creation, attraction, rejection, integration, etc., and other four spheres. V'kach b'nefesh adam And just as the ten supernal spheres are divided into two general categories... The same is true with the human soul, that the ten faculties of the human soul are divided into two general categories. Seichel umidais. Seichel is the cognit- cognitive intellectual dimension of the faculties of the soul, and midais are the emotional, passionate experiences of the soul. Seichel and Midas are the two general categories in the persona of this soul. Yeah? Why in Dr. Mendel's translation are you asking, does he say subdivided? Why did I say divided? It's a good question, and I'll tell you. The reason why he says subdivided... Is why do you think he says subdivided? You know what subdivided means? Okay. The reason I use the word divided, not subdivided, is because I wanted to emphasize the fact that when you say that the soul has ten faculties, so that is already a division in a more detailed and specific manner. But a general division would be to say that the soul has two aspects to his personality, and that is the seichel dynamic and the midday's dynamic. That's why I use the word divided. You're asking if the seichel and midday's are on the same level. They are not on the same level. Totally not, and I will soon explain more elaborative their content, function, and manner of expression. Yeah. These characteristics of the soul, do they have reflection in a person's personality traits? Not only do they have reflection in a person's personality traits, but they are the source and origin of the person's personality traits. But again, I will soon explain it in a more elaborative manner. Let's continue over here inside. Haseichel, the first category. Of the faculties of the soul defined as Seichel, the category of intellect, Kailel Chachma Binavadas, includes the three all inclusive intellectual powers termed Chachma, Bina, and Das. Again, conception, comprehension, and application. Vahamidais, while the Midais, the emotional faculties of the soul, Hain, they are. First of all, Ahavas Hashem, the love of Hashem, Pachadoi, Virasai, the dread and the awe of Hashem, Ulefaroi, the glorification of Him, Chulu, and so on, the other faculties that are included in the realm of Midas. And he continues, Vechachma binadas, Vechabad, Chabad being the acronym of Chachma binadas, Nikru imais umakir lemidais. Chabad are called the mothers and source of the midais. Why? Ki hamidais hain tuldus Chabad. For the midais are the offspring. In other words, they are derived from Chachma bin So therefore, the three faculties of Chachma bin are defined as the mothers and the origin of the midais. 
because the midas, the emotional faculties, are an offspring. They are born, so to speak, derived from the faculties of Chabad. Now, before we go further, let me explain what the Alter Rebbe is teaching us in these few lines. Our Chachamim Chazal speak of a fact called ten spheres. What are these ten spheres? What is their source? What is their function? Chazal say that Hashem emanated from Himself Kivayachel ten spheres, ten modes of expression and characteristics which became the spiritual building blocks of the entire universe. In other words, every single creature, being, event, phenomenon in existence, in the world at large, in the entire universe, comes and stems from one or from a combination of a few of these ten spiritual building blocks. Just as an artist, in order to create his piece of art, has to have a few materials through which he creates this piece of art, canvas, pigment, a brush, and so on and so forth. And these are the materials through which this entire piece of art with all its aspects come from. The same is true on a more general level from the divine perspective that Hashem projected from Himself, He emanated what are called ten character traits, ten spheres, if you will, ten spheres. I will refer from now on the word to the word as spheres. And from these ten characters, every single aspect without exception of our existence was created. Now, just for a moment to the source of these ten spheres. The ten spheres are extremely central to all Kabbalistic and Hasidic writings. What is the origin of the ten spheres? The first time we know about the ten spheres is in Sefer Yitzira. Sefer Yitzira is the book of creation, and a major portion of the Sefer Yitzira is based on this doctrine of ten spheres. Regarding the Sefer Yitzira, by the way, is a Sefer that's mentioned in Gemara, in Mesichta Sanhedrin, of Samachayam at Beis, as well as in Yerushalmi, also Mesichta Sanhedrin, Perek Zayin, Halachiyot Gimel, both of these places mention Sefer Yitzira. As far as the authorship of Sefer Yitzira, most Rishonim are of the opinion that Sefer Yitzira was authored by Avraham Avinu. And this includes Rev Haigain, Quoted in Rabbeinu B'chayi and Chumash in several places. Reb Sa'ad Yigon, who actually wrote, as far as we know, the first commentary on Sefi Yitzira. The Kuzari says it, the Zayar says it, and the Zayar Chadr say it. The Pardis say it, the Raziel says it, and many other sources believe that it was authored by Avraham Avinu. Others disagree and say it was authored by Rabbi Akiva, who was one of the Tanoim, of course, Several millennia, 2,000 years after Avraham Avinu. Other, uh, especially modern day uh, commentators, try to reconcile the two views by saying that Avraham Avinu did not actually write the Sefer Yitzira. That is evident from several places that he did not actually transcribe the Sefer Yitzira, but it's possible that the doctrines, the views, the fundamental points of Sefer Yitzira were conceived and taught and learned by Avraham Avinu continually learned by the Avais and the Shvatim that followed on, and, and uh, following generations, and transcribed actually in the times of the Tanayim, whether through Rabbi Akiva, or one of his Talmidim, or one of his colleagues. That is regarding the actual Sefer Yitzira. So a major portion of the Sefer Yitzira deals with the idea of the Eser Sviris. In addition to the Sefer Yitzira, many... Times in the Zayar, there are made mention of these ten spheres. So in the Zayar as well, which is one of the most fundamental and oldest texts of Kabbalah, authored by Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai and his pupils, the spheres are a very crucial part of it. However, all these sources point out that the actual names 
and f- of these ten spheres, we find appearing in Teresh Abiksaf, beginning with the first three faculties of Chachma bin Adas, we had several weeks ago, the Torah defines B'Tzalel as being blessed with three intellectual faculties. Similar we have in Mishle. In Perik Beis, Pasek Vav, it says, Ki yitain, ki Hashem yitain, Chachma mipiv, Da'as utvuna. Again, Chachma, Tvuna and Da'as. The same, same Sefer Mishle, Perik Gimel, Pasek Yutes. We actually have these three aspects in connection to Hashem. Hashem b'chachma yasad aretz, kainein shamayim b'tvuna, b'da'as tahaymas nifku. These are the three intellectual faculties, conception, comprehension, application. Now we find David HaMelech praising Hashem in Divrei Hayamim Aleph, Perich of Tespasakit Aleph, with the seven emotional faculties. Bacha Hashem, Hagdula, Vahagvura, Vahatif Eres, Vahanetzach, Vahahait, Kichoyl Bashamayim of Aretz, Lacha Hashem, Hamamlacha. What are the seven intellectual faculties? The Tanya over here enumerates three. Achesed Gvura Tiferes. Then we have the other four, which although he does not enumerate them over here in Tanya, the reason for that we will discuss later on or in the following shear. But they are as discussed in the Zayans, if Yitzir and in all the places where the Sviris are discussed. After Tiferes we have Netzach, Haid, Yisaid and Malchus. Their translation, chesed, attraction, gvura, rejection, tiferes, integration, netzach, endurance, haid, devotion, yisoid, bonding, malchus, royalty. In this pasuk, although the pasuk does not mention chesed or yisoid by their specific names, the concept of each of them is clearly there. Because the word Gdullah, Lecha Hashem often represents chesed, attraction. Even in English we speak, we speak of largest with regard to extravagant generosity. So we see the connection between the idea of Gdullah and chesed. We also find that in the Shemayin Asri prayer, the word Gadol is placed as a partner to the word Gibar, when we say Hakel, Hagadol, Vahagibar. The same is true regarding the concept of Yisaid, which means bonding, because it is that capacity which connects Shemayim to Aretz. So when David HaMalach speaks about Kichayil Ba'ashemayim Uva Aretz, he is actually denoting the faculty of Yisaid. Furthermore, it's interesting to know that the numerical value, the gematria of the words Kikal, Kikal, from the sentence Kikal Ba'ashemayim Uva Aretz is the same as the word Yisaid. The numerical value of both is 80. However, it should also be mentioned, interestingly, that the idea of Asasviris is mentioned in the Madrash, in Bamid Baraba, in Perik Yudalit, Parsha Yudbeis, Zagda Madrash, that the reason that in the Siyim, the leaders of the 12 Shvatim, brought their offerings for the dedication of the Mishkan beginning, Rishchidosh Nisan, continuing for 12 and then 13 days. So one of the Karbanais was a Kaf Achas Asarazav Malayak Teres. They brought one spoon, which was the weight of 10 shkalim of gold. So the Medrash enumerates the significance of number 10, and immediately in the beginning the Medrash says, this is, Keneged Asarim Amarishabam Nivra'ilam, corresponding to 10 utterances, through which Hashem created the world, <clears throat> and keneged eser spheres blima, keneged the ten spheres of nothingness, which seems to be a direct quote from the Sefer Yitzira, which immediately in the beginning of Sefer Yitzira, the first chapter, section two, Perik Aleph Mishnah Beis, the Sefer Yitzira says that the eser spheres ablima, ten spheres of nothingness. We will not discuss at the moment. The meaning of nothingness. If it's ten spheres, how can it be nothing? Nothingness means it doesn't exist. But this actually conveys the essence of the divine character traits, but not at the moment. So this is a brief outline regarding the spheres. However, it should be mentioned that even someone who is not a makubal, 
or has never studied Kabbalah, it's now incorporated as part and parcel of the Tefillah of Svirah Sa'imer. In the Rebbeinu Shalaylam following Svirah Sa'imer, we discuss the fact that the 49 days of Svirah, the 49 counting between Pesach and Shavuos, correspond to the seven emotional faculties, each one consisting and including and encompassing all seven, thus seven times seven makes up the 49 days of Svirah Sa'imer. In the Rebbeinu Shalaylam following the actual counting, each of the 49 <coughs> nights is represented by a subsection of one of the emotional seven spheres. And in this prayer actually, in this tefillah, we ask that if there was any inappropriate impression in any of these spheres in the manner we have dealt with it, it should be rectified and purified in the utmost and superb manner. Parenthetically, it would be worthy to mention, since we're discussing it, that the ten spheres are mentioned as well in other places, beginning with the Kuzari, written by Rabbi Yehuda Levi in the 11th century, one of the greatest Rishonim, Kuzari Maimur Dalet Perik It's mentioned in Rabbeinu Bechaya in his commentary on the Torah several of ta- several times in Bereshis Perik Aleph, in Shmois. The Maharal also makes mention of it in Gvuris Hashem, in the Rechayim, and often in the works of the Shalah, Rabbi Yishaya Horowitz, in the Shnei Luches Habris, in addition to the fact, as I mentioned, that Zayar makes a lot of mention to it. Every Friday we say Pasach Eliyahu, a section of Tikkunay, introduction to Tikkunay Zayar, which is a section of the Zayar, and over there the Zayar actually discusses them in a quite elaborative and lucid manner. Now, yeah. I translated Netzach as endurance. Okay. You're asking a question. I translated Netzach as endurance, and you have seen it translated as victory. I translated Chesed as attraction and Gvura as rejection, and you have seen it translated Chesed as kindness and Gvura as contraction. Okay. Each one of the spheres the Hebrew terms and definitions of them contain a lot in them. In other words, every single one of the spheres has a many of facets, aspects, dynamics, modes of expression. Thus, in different English translations of the spheres, you'll find different authors translating it in different manners, and they might all be correct, each one just articulating and conveying one facet of this specific sphere. In the English language, it's quite difficult to find one word to translate all the spheres in English, a word which will convey and express the total idea and dynamic of the sphere. Nevertheless, I felt that as close as we could get to a word that should encompass all facets of the sphere, the better it would be. Thus, regarding Chachma, I didn't translate it wisdom, bina understanding das knowledge, but rather conception, comprehension, and application, because I feel that those three words will con- convey in a much more general manner the essence of them. The same is true chesed. Chesed, if you translate it as kindness, it's accurate. Translate it as benevolence, it's accurate. If you translate it as love, it's also accurate. If you translate it as giving, it's also accurate, because chesed encompasses all of this. I felt what could be a word that can be the most general and all-encompassing of all of this is the word attraction. The same is, and attraction encompasses all these aspects. It's the ability, the faculty in the human being to be attracted by other human beings, by other creatures, by phenomenons, by events. The same is true regarding gvura and Netzach. Netzach, victory, is a total accurate translation. Indeed, I think the literal translation of the word Netzach in the most literal sense would be victory, Nitzachin. But nevertheless, endurance denotes, from a certain perspective, the essence of what Netzach introduces into the human character. But it was a very good comment. At the moment, I am not going to discuss every single one of these faculties. We, we will be doing it in connection to this period, but not at the moment. Yeah. If I am familiar of a book 
that goes in an elusive manner to uh, make sense out of the ten spheres. Um, uh, I could mention two of them. I'll mention them to you after the shear. Um, uh, now we get back to the actual issue of the ten spheres. So Chazal tell us that Hashem projected from Himself ten faculties, ten, so to speak, modes of character and personality traits, and these became the building blocks of every single thing in the universe. To drive it more closely to home, let's compare it to the human being. Every single human being throughout his day, his month, his year, his life, possesses and produces millions and billions of thoughts, of words, of deeds, of motives, of instincts, of drives, of desires. But all these millions and billions and trillions of modes of behavior and conduct on all levels of his personality stem from the general personality and character traits that mold and define the personality of this human being. Since you possess this and this specific character trait, hence you say the following thousand, million, billion words. So all the variety and fluctuations and aspects of the human life and personality and expression of them come from the general personality traits. This is a metaphor. How Hashem, so to speak, created the world that from ten spiritual building blocks, from ten traits, from ten characters, every single phenomenon, event, creature with all its detail and manifestation and aspects and dynamics, every aspect of it stems from these ten spheres. These are ten general modes which Hashem chose to emanate and to project in order to create and form, sustain and relate to the universe and everything contained with it. The human being was created in the image of Hashem. Tzalem aleikim asa Adam. Nasa Adam b'tzalmeinu kidmuseinu. One of the interpretations in these psukim is that just as Hashem projected from Himself ten characters through which He chose to form, sustain, and relate to the universe, the same is true regarding every individual human being, which is defined by Chazal as a miniature universe. Oilam Katan Zaha Adam says Medrash every human being is a little miniature universe. Every single human being possesses within his soul ten character traits, ten faculties, ten attributes, ten energies, ten modes of expression and manifestation. Ten dynamics, ten openings through which the soul expresses, manifests, and reveals itself. These ten character traits are the origin and the focal center and source of the entire variety of the person's behavior and conduct. All the variety of thoughts, words, deeds, and then motives, instincts, desires talents and gifts of the person, all of them, every single one of them, stem from either one or a combination of a few of these ten faculties. Now, everyone without exception possesses all of these ten faculties. The question is, in what manner and what fashion, their manner of combination with each other, how they interrelate and work and function with each other, which one is more emphasized, which one is more strong, but everyone possesses all of them. This is what Al-Tarebbe begins the Perik. That the divine soul possesses and consists of ten faculties corresponding to the ten supernal spheres, but evolving from the ten supernal spheres. Hashem projected from Himself ten spheres. This usually begins in the world, in the realm called Atsilas, the world of emanation discussed previous weeks, which is the first world in the stage of spiritual evolution from the spiritual to the physical. So the ten spheres are where the origin of the entire universe begins in these ten character traits. When you talk about, for example, earth in our universe, 
when you talk about femaleness in our universe. They are physical phenomenons, but they stem and they evolve in some way from the divine attribute of Malchus. Royalty, aristocracy. When you talk about water in the universe, you talk about the color blue in the universe. They evolve from the divine attribute of chesed, of attraction, of giving, of bestowal. And the same is true regarding every single phenomenon of the universe. The animal soul of the Jew also possesses these ten faculties. Every human being's soul possesses these ten faculties. But over here in Perugimel we are addressing the divine soul of the Jew. The divine soul of the Jew is a soul which is a chelikalikamimamamish and stems from chachmasa yizbarach. From the divine wisdom which is the first and highest supreme faculty of the spheres in this context. More specifically, there are other spheres, we're not going to get into that at the moment. Generally, we're dealing with these ten spheres. Chachma is the first of these spheres. The soul of the Jew, which comes from Chachma, is evolved from the ten supernal spheres, beginning with Chachma, and then the nine following spheres. And thus the soul possesses these ten faculties as well, mirroring and reflecting the ten divine spheres. And Al-Tarebbe goes on to say that they are divided into two. Three mothers and seven doubles. This phrase, is a direct quote from Sefer Yitzira, which is the source of the concept of Esospheris. The Sefer Yitzira in the beginning, chapter 1, section 2 reads, Esospheris belima, ten spheres of nothingness. I mentioned the Medrash quotes this term. And 22 foundation letters. Shalish imais, three mothers. Shavakfule, seven doubles. Ushtem esrepshutais, and 12 elementals. The Sef Yitzir over here divides the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet of the Aleph Bays into three categories. Three mothers. Seven doubles and twelve elementals. The three mothers refer to the three letters Aleph, Mem, and Shin. Emesh. The reason for this is these are the primary letters of the Aleph base, thus they are called mothers. Why these three? Apparently, Aleph is the first letter of the Aleph base, Mem is the middle letter of the Aleph base, Shin is the second to the last letter. Why not? The last letter, Tuf, we'll soon see because Tuf is already used for another category, for one of the seven doubles, so we cannot use the Tuf for the three mothers. So the Tuf, it, it shifts its position, it delegates its power, its energy to the preceding one. So the Shin becomes the third letter of these three mothers. The fact that these three letters are the elemental letters we already have in Gemara, the Gemara says in Masech Shabbos, Dafnun Hei Chaysamay Shalakadish Baruch Hu Emes. Mefarshim explain Emes Aleph, the first letter, Mem, the middle letter, Sav, the final letter. But in Sefer Yitzira, the three mothers become Aleph, Mem, and Shin. Then you have the seven doubles, Shavak Fulis. These are the seven letters that can be expressed in two sounds. Bays, number one, Gimel, number two, Dalid, number three, Chaf, number four, Pei, number five, Reish, number six, and Taf, number seven. Before I go back to this, let me conclude. The twelve elementals, the Shtei are the twelve remaining letters, which have a single sound. This is what the Sefer Yitzhira makes mention of immediately in the beginning. The later chapters of Sefer Yitzhira go on to explain in great detail, devoting a complete peric for every one of these three categories. A complete peric for the Shalish Imois and their significance, a complete peric for the Shavak Fulis and their significance, and an entire peric for the Shtem Esrib Shutes, the twelve elementals and their significance. If we open up Sefer Yitzhira Peric Dalit, the beginning of Perik Dalit, it reads as follows. 
Sheva Kfulais, there are seven doubles. Bez, Gimel, Dalit, Chav, Pei, Reish, Saf. Misnah, Goiz, Bishtei, Lashonis. They direct themselves with two tongues. Bez, Vez. Gimel, Gimel. Dalit, Dalit. Chav, Kaf. Pei, Fei. Reish, Reish. Tav, Saf. Tavnis, Rach, Vekasha, Gibar, Vekhalash. A structure of soft and hard, strong and weak. So you were all looking at me when I was doing those letters. Where is there a double sound in those two letters? One moment. The idea of why these are called Kfulais doubles is because they all have two possible sounds. All of them have possible sounds. Rach, Vekasha, soft and hard, or Gibar, Vekhalash, strong and weak. To the ones, those who are familiar with diktuk of the Hebrew language, they are also known as dagesh and rafe. Dagesh means emphasized, strong, or strong sound, and rafe means not so emphasized, a soft sound. Now, there are double sounds in these seven letters that are retained by all Jews all over the world. Over here you have the bays, bays, vays, you have the kaf, kaf and chaf, and you have the pay, the pay and the fay. In all these cases, the hard sound is plosive, pronounced in an explosive puff of sound. The soft sound is what's known in English as uh, fricative. Those are the consonants that are characterized by the friction of the brass, breath issu- issuing through a narrow opening of the vocal passages. For example, letters like F or V or S or Z are examples of the fricative mode of expression, this is not the dagesh, but the rafi. Now, regarding the tough and the soft already, this is not retained by all Jews. Over here we have the difference between the Ashkenazim and the Svardim. So the Ashkenazim always do the tough and the soft, and by the Svardim, it also depends what Svardim, sometimes there's no distinction at all, the soft is also a tough, and by some Svardim, the difference between the tough and the soft would be, soft would be as in that thing, the TH of thing, that's how they would pronounce the suf. Okay. One second. Now, let's get to the Gimel, the Gimel and the Dalit. By us, in our world, we do not have this distinction which the Sefi Yitzhira is talking about. But the Yemenite Jews also distinguish between a soft and a hard Gimel and a soft and a hard Dalit. The soft gimel has the sound of a J, or among others, a G. The soft dalit has the sound of a hard TH, as in the. So the soft dalit will be by them the. And the hard dalit will of course be the dalit. So, we already covered six letters. Bez, gimel, dalit, chaf, pe, saf. Which all have dagesh and rafe, a hard and a soft sound. Usually in diktuk, how do you know when a letter is dagesh and rafe? If there is a dot in the middle, it's a dagesh. If there is no dot, there is a rafe. Interesting. The zayar, the tikkuni zayar, in several places, including tikkuni zayar section seventy, says that. The Pasuk in the vision of Yecheskel, the Maisa Merkava, the makeup of the chariot, on Yecheskel, Perik Aleph, Pasuk Yedalet says, Va'achayis ratzay v'shuv, the Chayis, the Malachim, were running and returning, says the Zayar, they run with hard sound, and return with soft sound. Interesting, the Vilna Gaon explains the Zayar as meaning and indicating that the hard, plosive sound the dagesh has to be pronounced more quickly than the soft fricative sound. Because the dagesh is running and the rafe is returning. So he holds that when the Balkari reads the dagesh, it has to be quicker than when the Balkari reads the rafe. One second. What about the resh? The resh is actually a very, very interesting concept. Many commentators, many post-Talmudical Masters of Hebrew grammar take precisely the opposite view and hold that Reish never takes on a Dagesh. 
In our terminology of any Jew living today, there is no verbal distinction between a hard and a soft race. However, the fact is that in our ancient sources, we are very well aware that in ancient times there was a very clear distinction between the hard race and the soft race. In the time of the Beis HaMikdash, it says clearly the race was pronounced in two ways. In earlier times, its use was a very standard thing. However, Svarim say, but by the 10th century, this double aspect in the Reish was used only by members of a small community in the city of Tveria, Tiberias. What's up is Tveria? Because this was the last city in which the Sanhedrin, the great Jewish Supreme Court, had flourished. And therefore, this was one of the mysteries that the Sanhedrin had entrusted to the community of Tveria. But nevertheless, long ago it has already been forgotten. And therefore, the original pronunciation of this letter remains a mystery until this very day. But clearly there is Dagesh and Rafi. This is what the Sefer Yitzhira explains. What is the significance of all of this? What is the spiritual significance of all of this? You wanted to ask something? Go ahead. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. Perhaps, but in the Sefer Yitzira, you're asking if Vav also it, it, it goes into this realm? No. The seven doubles are only these seven letters. The simon for them is Bagid uh, Kafris. Huh? Beis Gimodalat Chafpei Reishsaf. Bagid Kafris. The twelve elementals are the remaining letters. Hey, Vav, Zion, Ches, Tes, Yud, Lamed, Nun, Samach, Ayin, Tzadik, and Kuf. Says the Alter Rebbe that the three mothers, Aleph Memshin, are connected to the three intellectual faculties of conception, comprehension, and application, Chachma Bina Das. The seven um, uh, double letters, Bagat Kafris, correspond and are linked, are, bo- are bound to the seven emotional spheres. Chesed, Gvuratif, Eres, Netzach, Hoyt, and Malchus. What is the reason for this? Briefly, one of the major distinctions between the intellectual dynamic of the human being and the passionate emotional aspect of experience is objectivity and subjectivity. You can do research on a certain topic, understand it, comprehend it, have a very clear understanding of it. But it totally does not affect your life in a personal way in any manner whatsoever. Thus, you can be study about, you can study about positive phenomenons and evil phenomenons, good things and bad things, and you come home in the same way. There's no difference. You're not upset if the result of your statistics was a negative one, and you're not especially especially happy and joyous if the result of your research was a positive one. What is important to you is the intellectual dimension over here. What is important to you is the svar over here. If you're learning in the Shtikl Gemara that Reuven stole from from Shimon $500,000, and they come to court... And you are analyzing the perspectives of each one of these two people, of the plaintiff and of the defendant. So what you might come to a conclusion that Reuven is chayev, he is guilty. You might come to a conclusion that Reuven is potter, he's innocent. Tell me, will there be any difference in your emotions or in your state of heart if you come to the conclusion that Reuven is guilty and he stole the 500,000? Will you be perturbed? Will you be upset? Will you be emotionally disturbed and devastated? Or will you be happy and joyous and calm and tranquil if you find that Eruvin is innocent? It's totally no difference. The ikir is that the svara should be a good svara. The main thing is that the intellectual, the intellectual aspect is consistent, is accurate, is true, is honest. You're not interested in it on a personal subjective level. 
Over here, good and bad are one. Positivity and negativity are one. There is absolutely no difference between light and darkness because the main issue is the intellect which is involved. How much intellect is involved over here? So therefore, it's one-dimensional in that sense. When one, however, transfers things from the intellectual domain into the emotional domain, everything changes. When you understand that something is positive, and you understand that something is negative, in the world of understanding per se, there is really no difference. Of course there is a difference, but there is no significant and practical difference in the life of person. But when the person is affected emotionally by what he understands, over here, the two do not fall in any more into one domain. If you understand something is good, and this evokes in you an impulsive, positive attraction to this phenomenon, you are attracted to it. You contain a love and affection towards it. If you understand that this thing or person or phenomenon is negative, and this evokes in you an emotional response to it, you despise it, you reject it, you disregard it, you escape from it, you negate it, you defy it. Over here suddenly, there are two conspicuous dimensions in the human being's life. Thus, three mothers and seven doubles. The three intellectual faculties are called three mothers, that Dr. Rebbe explains himself. Because Chabad are the source of the Midas. The Midas are an offspring of Chabad. Everyone understands clearly you cannot have an emotional relationship to anything, whether it may be a human being, a creature, or a phenomenon, without having an awareness, a cognitive awareness of what that thing is. So Midas, their potential exists within the human being. There is a potential in you to love and a potential in you to despise. But this has to be directed towards something. Awareness, seichel, is the one that defines and articulates what is it. It gives you both something to hate and something to like. It explains you what is it that you're liking and you're despising. And furthermore, in addition to the need of awareness in order to experience emotions, you must have a cognitive conscious awareness of something. In addition, and on a deeper level, chachma bin adas, are the ones that evoke and inspire the emotions. When one conceives and comprehends and applies a specific issue, this will evoke and inspire the respective and suitable emotions as will be discussed continuously in the period. So that's why Aleph, Mem, Shin are the three mothers. Now you have the Midas are seven doubles. Because the Midas, if you want to convey them in code language, as Sefi Yitzira speaks in, you say seven doubles. And what do you mean by seven doubles? Dugish and rafi. Soft and hard. What is soft and hard? On a spiritual level, on a psychological, emotional level. Soft would denote the idea and concept of attraction, of affection, of benevolence, of closeness, of a positive relationship. And hard will denote the concept of Contraction, discipline, withdrawal, refraining, withholding, a more tough character and disposition. So the seven letters that correspond, the seven faculties, are called doubles. Because in the Midas, there is the double dynamic of attraction and rejection. The third being integration, which is also an intermediate between these two extremes, synthesizing them too. And the same is true regarding the following spheres, where you have endurance and devotion, which parallel the attraction and rejection. Then you have bonding, which again synthesizes the two. And then the last one is Malchus. That's already of another. That's uh, the, la- the last final one, which encompasses all of them in some way, which we will discuss when we discuss more specifically the seven spheres. So the in the seven middays are called seven doubles because in the world of the middays, this dynamic of attraction and rejection are really double. They are two distinct aspects. They are two distinct dynamics. Over here, they evoke in a human being opposite responses, opposite moods, 
opposing feelings, opposing opposite passions, relationships. His life will change in a serious manner, whether an issue of chesed is at hand or an issue of gvura is at hand. Versus in seichel, although in the intellectual faculty, all of these aspects are included because you can understand everything that you feel. But nevertheless, in the realm of understanding, as long as it remains in that sphere, it will be one-dimensional in the sense that all of them are equally significant. Equally significant. And in the same manner, in the same power, because what we are out over here is for the svara, for the intellect, for the cognitive experience. So what's the difference? They are equally significant with the same intensity. However, when it has shifted to the realm of emotions, who are they not equally significant? And with the same intensity? What are you talking about? This you love, this you embrace, this you are attracted to, this you reject, this you despise, this you negate. Yeah. If I can explain the word hispa'alos, if it's in seichel or in midas. The word hispa'alos refers to the realm of midas per se. The word hispa'alos, what is the translation of the word hispa'alos? It means the person being affect, affected, with an e, affected. Hispa'alos, the etymology of the word is pa'il, pa'ula. Pa'ula means an activity. You affect something through an activity. Ispa'alus means that there is a phenomenon, an object, a human being, a creature that effects, that activates, that achieves a pu'ula, that activates a cord, a responsive cord in the human being in whatever direction it may be. So Ispa'alus refers to the realm of Midas. In the world of Seichel, per se, there is no Ispa'alus. However, we will soon see where the Stage of transferring happens between Seichel and Midas. That's also discussed in this parak. Yeah. What is the connection from Aleph to Chachma, Mem to Bina, and Shin to Das? It's a very good question. Why don't you ask what is the connection from Beis to Chesed, from Gimel to Gvura, from Dalit to uh, Tiferes? Why do you ask only about the Imais, not about the Kfulais? Okay, fine. Okay. This is a very good question you're asking. However, this issue of exactly the connection between every letter and its counterpart in the faculties is a very long and elaborate lesson for itself. And at the moment, in, in, uh, in these Prakim of time, you do not want to get into. However, there is some literature already published on it, certainly in Hebrew, plenty of it, and as well as English translations, where you can find the connection between the letter and the spiritual faculties. Yeah. You're asking just as we say that Chabad produces and is the source which activates and evokes the Midas, is it possible that the opposite should also be true sometimes, that the Midas should activate the Chabad? (laughs) Of course it's true and sometimes it's very unfortunate that a person decides what's true, what's right and what's wrong based on his subjective experience and how he feels about it. So it happens every day that the Midas activate Chabad. In other words, when we blur the distinction between what we understand is objectively right and what we are tempted to do, what our emotions overwhelm us sometimes to do. Sometimes a person, for some reason, can have an unhealthy emotion, can be tempted to do something immoral, improper, something which is antithetical to the divine will on earth and antithetical to how a person should be acting. And that's where his seichel must play a major role in controlling Sometimes harnessing, sometimes controlling, and best transforming the Midas. Okay, I understand. Um, uh, yeah, at some, uh, you're asking if it's positive as well. Sometimes, in many conditions, it's positive. In other words, if it begins with intellect, and then goes down to emotion, so the emotional experience actually in, in, uh, encompasses the totality of the person, and therefore that will also increase his intellectual understanding of it in some way. The, in the terminology of Gemara, although in a different context, um, So one of the explanations in that is not only that learning is great. Why? Because it brings to deed, and deed is the main thing, 
But one of the explanations in it on a deeper level is that through Maisa, through doing it, there is an increased cognitive awareness in what you're doing. It's similar to the fact that everyone knows that there's simply a concept called age, coming of age. And what coming of age does is a certain type of experience. That you, when you're 20 or whatever age, you might be brilliant. One might be a genius. One might understand everything that a 60-year-old never understands. But there's just a certain aspect of experience, of living life on a practical day-to-day level with all its trials and tribulations that imbues a person with a certain keen awareness and appreciation of things that a young person, albeit his brilliance or genius, will never will never comprehend. So this is similar to what you're saying, that the midday's experience, experiencing something, implementing it on an emotional, subjective level, will give certainly a certain uh, keen understanding of it. But this is with the premise that the mind is not molded by the subjective experience only. That what? Of course it's possible. Of course it's possible, but that's not seichel. Okay, of course, just like any phenomenon can inspire intellect, so a middays phenomenon can also inspire a certain intellect. That's very possible. Um, uh, if non-Jews also possess these ten faculties, yes, every single soul and every man possesses these ten faculties, uh, including, as mentioned before, by a Jew, both souls, the godly and the Vital. Both possess these ten faculties. Each one of them has these ten faculties. Um, however, over here in Perigimel we are discussing the ten faculties in the divine soul. And thus as we shall see in the next year, these ten faculties are totally divine oriented and directed. Are these ten spheres mentioned in Gemara? Thanks. Are they mentioned in Gemara? It's interesting you ask the question because the ten spheroids are actually discussed in Gemara, but in a very roundabout way. In Mesech the Chagigya, in the second Perik, where the Gemara deals with the creation of the world and the various universes, Chagigya daf Yudbeiz Amad Aleph, the Gemara says... Rav Zutra, the son of Tuvia, said in the name of Rav that the world was created with ten things. And the Gemara goes ahead to bring proofs from various psukim, that Hashem created the world with every single one of these qualities. By the way, parenthetically, the psukim that the Gemara brings as a proof that Hashem created the world with the three qualities of Chachma, Bina, and Das are the psukim I mentioned earlier. Hashem b'chachma yasad eretz, kainin shamayim bitvuna, b'dai the Maharsha on that Gemara says that upon reflection, one realizes that the ten things which Rav enumerates, which Rav Zutra Bartuvi enumerates in the name of Rav, the ten qualities with which Hashem created the world, correspond to the ten spheroids, Sheiskimu Bahem Hamikobalim, which the Kabbalists discuss. And the Marsha adds, and these also correspond to the ten utterances through which Hashem created the world. Our sages tell us in Pirkei Hashem created the world through ten utterances, specified in the beginning of Parshas Bereshis. So the Marsha says that these ten things in Gemara correspond to the ten spheroids, correspond to the ten Ma'amaris, to the ten utterances. There are those who disagree with his interpretation, but that's a separate discussion. So that's concerning the source of the spheres in Gemara. Obviously, however, the primary source for the idea of the ten spheres is in the works of the Kabbalah. 
As I mentioned earlier, this concept of the ten spheroids are a very central theme to the writings of Kabbalah. And in most Svarim of Kabbalah, from the very early ones until the very late ones, we find a lot of, dis- a lot of discussion concerning the spheroids. The works which I have mentioned earlier, in which the concept of spheroids appear, are not Kabbalistic texts, at least not purely Kabbalistic texts. And therefore I made specific mention for them. I, therefore I made specific mention of them. For example, the Medrash Rabbah, we discussed earlier, the Kuzari, the Bechayi, the Maral, the Shalom. But if you begin with Kabbalah Svarim, Skala Svarim Malayim All of the Sifra Kabbalah are filled with this theme, with this idea. Saying this, it's interesting to add, perhaps, that uh, in the Sefi Yitzira itself, the names of the Sviras are not given. From the Sefi Yitzira, we know that there are ten Sviras, but what their names are, we do not know from the Sefi Yitzira. It's only in subsequent Kabbalistic works where we discover their names, Chachma, Bina, Das, and so forth. In addition, there's something else, it's something else which is worthy to make mention of. That there are two fashions in the Kabbalistic teachings themselves. There are two fashions in which the ten spheres are counted. One way is that which we have discussed earlier. Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Gvura and so forth. Another way is that Keser is introduced as the first Svira. Prior even to the Svira of Chachma. And then Das is eliminated. But that's a separate discussion as well. It's not, it's not for the present moment. Yeah. Pardon? What? What is the meaning of the term sphera? What does the word sphera mean? What is the etymology of the word? Yeah, wonderful question. The Ramak, Reb Kardaviro, 16th century master Kabbalist, explains in his monumental Kabbalistic works, Pardus Rimoinim and Shir Kaima, that the word Sphira has actually six meanings. And bear with me for a moment. One, Mispar, as in Mispar, a number. Two, Sipur, as in telling a story. Three, Sapir, as the sapir stone, there's a entire literature we have, we find discussion concerning the Evan sapir, the sapir stone, which is a translucent crystal that shines very brightly. So that's another meaning for the term sphera. For sphar, as in the boundaries of a city or a country, the limits, the boundaries of a city is called the sphar of the city. Five, safer, a book. Six, Safrus, literature, which is actually very similar to the fifth meaning of the word Sphira. So the ten Spheres mean, ten, ten, in other words, when we talk about the ten Spheres, what we actually mean, we mean ten numbers, which tell the Sipur, ten Misparim, ten numbers, which tell the Sipur, which tell the story of the Creator, which tell the story of his creation, which tell the story of the soul. Like the sapir, it is the conduit for Hashem's light and energy. The ten spheres are like the sphar, in the sense that they grant definition, structure and boundaries to Hashem's creation. They also serve as the book and as a body of literature, as a Sefer and Safros, through which we gain a glimpse into the wisdom of their author, so to speak. Just as through a book we gain a glimpse, or sometimes even more than a glimpse, in the human terms, into the wisdom of the author of the book. Yeah? One more last question, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I understand. You didn't, you did not understand the explanation I presented earlier concerning the Shavak Fulis. Because literally Shavak Fulis means that every one of the seven letters consists of a double pronunciation. 
wherein the psychological explanation of the Shavak Fula is given before, the duality does not exist in each one of the seven Midas per se. Okay, good. Perhaps I didn't explain, I didn't explain myself clearly. I'll reiterate the idea briefly. Every single one of the seven Midas is defined as a Kafal, as a dual entity. Why is that? Because every single midah is sensitive to dualities and to, dis- to, to dualities and to distinctions. The dualities of life, in other words, affect the midas. They impact the emotional structure of the human condition. The contrasts which are which are inherent in our universe influence her, influence her in a real way. In the, le- in, in the intellectual mode of man, the human being remains oblivious to the dual forces in life. But in the seven experiential attributes, in the seven middays, the polar realities that the human being encounters in the world impress themselves on the person. He is moved by them. Either he becomes soft as a result of them, or he becomes hard as a result of them. But the multiple dynamics of life affect each of the middays accordingly, in, re- in accordance to the capacity, to the mode, to the specific personality of each one of the middays. So that's why the middays are called Shavak Fulis, because every single one of the middays is defined as a kafal, as a dual entity. Every single one of the middays is sensitive to the dualities in life, versus the realm of Meichen, which is oblivious to those dualities. You understand? Okay. Have a good day and a wonderful week. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.